We're all gathered here today to listen to a dwarf cast by Ganymede and Titan. Start the tape, please, Holly. Awoga, this is a dwarf cast. Hello and welcome to the Ganymede and Titan Dwarfcast commentary for Series 12, Episode 2, The One Where Everyone's Crichton, <laughs> also known as Siliconia, uh, unofficially. Uh, I'm Ian Symes and with me is Jonathan Capps. Hello. And Danny Stevenson. Hello. And if you'd like to watch the episode as well as listen to us, then you should press play at the end of these pips. There ain't no place in the whole of cyberspace. www.ganymede.tv Here it is. Uh, this episode was number 52 out of 73 in the Pearl Poll. Uh, the second worst one in Series 12, after the obvious. Interesting, the second which... worst one in Series 12. Yeah. Mm. The, the thing with Series 12, as I'm sure we'll come to in the coming weeks, is that the second half of it is a huge step up from the first half. Yeah, that is very true. Bite two is a really good deal. Yeah, <laughs> if you if you only get one of the VHS tapes, you get bite two. Yeah, yeah. They'll probably they'll probably mix it up to kind of fix that. <laughs> You're saying that it's the second worst, but that's kind of doing it a disservice slightly because it's like the, so. the gap between this and the one that is the worst that shall not be named <laughs> is quite yeah. a drop. So it's I think yeah. it's I think it's not fair to say that it's it sounds worse than it is, I think. I think this is better than cured. I'll I'll say that. I think this is better than cracking cured. opening scene for a start. <laughs> yeah. In fact there's a really nice little thing, a nice little touch that I think that the production crew were very aware of when they did it as well. Like when Lister appears here, obviously it's a separate take, but they've had to make it look like it's in sync, so Lister has to remember to do his little motion to match up with the... Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. So that's like a nice yeah. little touch that they have to, you know, to make it work for the for the scene. Yeah. They have to do a little... Craig, the... Craig's having to do the and exact same. Also, that's actions. almost unnecessary as well. Like That is a lot of hassle. Yeah, that <laughs> isn't necessarily needed, yeah. Um, there there is a head turn. The, the Lister on the monitor turns his head when um, Lister in the foreground doesn't. So it is yeah. all, all ruined and terrible as a result. But, uh, you know, uh, nice that's, that's probably why it was so low in the Pearl Pearl. <laughs> yeah, probably. Yeah, yeah. It's not literally that reason. Uh, nice shot, this. Yeah, this is awesome. Yeah. It's it's a weird opening because, like, it's, it's definitely not one of those openings that is disconnected from the main story, but it's almost too far the other way in this case of it's a bit on the nose of, like, uh, but here's, here we are listing off all the things that they get Crichton to do all the time. <laughs> Good. Sorry to disturb your rimmering. It's very good. I mean, this is this is perfect rimmer, though. It is. Kindly don't describe. It's very hyper rimmer, isn't it? It's like it's it's exaggerated rimmer, which he you know he he is a lot of the time in the in the Dave era. But it's um, this is this is it. It's funniest, I think. I think so. Yeah. <laughs> you see me illegally. <laughs> Which has taken on a whole new, um, a whole new bent in. Uh, t- <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you're within two meters of him. <laughs> Although, is Robert's face covering that sufficient that he doesn't need to bother with uh, social distancing? That's when a good he's point. Quite... Yeah, his mask has to cover his nose as well, though. 
Yeah. <laughs> then, then he would die. <laughs> I would be dead. I would be dead then, sir. See, this, uh, this is a strange guitar. line. Yeah. Um, I was going to say was the the they swapped the episode order around uh, in. Uh, well, they did throughout series uh, eleven and twelve. I think this was the first one that they shot for series twelve. Although um, I'll, hmm. I can't remember for sure, but I'll check the show check the show notes <laughs> to see if there's a correction. Um, but anyway, uh, this deals with them finding and um, regaining Lister's guitar. However, in Cured, which was the previous episode aired, Lister has his guitar. And says, ah. uh, his guitar stashed in Starbug, and him and Hitler go and jam. Baby, don't be ovulating tonight. That's a, a, the deepest what? cut I think the Doug has done to his to past dwarf. <laughs> yeah, uh, Lister, Lister being um, promoted to the the writer of that song um, <laughs> over Perry yeah. and Cuomo. <laughs> Perry and Cuomo. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know whether the line was changed because of the episode. Mind you, the no. The episode order had been kind of moved around, but um, he does say uh, it's to the day that we lost. That oh we, yeah, and it's like there's a word missing because you can't. Everything's to the day. <laughs> um, yeah, I've forgotten about that one. Yeah, I think it's meant to be a year to the day or a month. It's to the day like the anything. day. It's like there's just there's a time that needs to be. You know, what's the what's the. Um... The day-to-day quote. So today is the anniversary of 1943. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely got the the year wrong there, but <laughs> that was their, their, their war their war rep- retrospective uh, segment. An amazing touch that Lister's improvised guitar is painted in the same way as Eddie Van Halen's guitar. Oh, that really? Is, yeah. yeah, it's got the the yeah because their album cover used that same sort of crackled yeah. white and red. Yeah, I assume that's another Matt Clark. Well, yeah, we'll have to uh, let's try and find out how that who read that. No, this is our new tradition now. When it's easy to find out the proper answer by just asking someone, we don't ask them. We just guess. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's better to speculate. Why? Why bother finding out the facts when we can just make shit up? I love. Um, I love. I love the the kind of the the, the Matt Clark. Um, I'm trying to think of the right word. I don't know, just era or whatever. But just the the fact that he's like he's now that he's this new member of the crew of new Red Dwarf that is like is approaching the sort of position within fandom or like you know the, the reverence amongst in fandom along with the old visual effects department and you know yeah. of just just doing sterling and an unnecessary amount of quality work at all at all turns for me it's about it's about when someone makes the effort like yeah and knowledge always tell when spirit i know model makers and stuff there's a budget and stuff and like they they have to only only deal with what you're going to see but it's the people who sand the undersides of the drawers that basically they're the ones that deserve the mentions yeah yeah that effort i will stop that thought briefly just to say that that visual gag of the um of the the pick machine the grabbing <laughs> machine is really good yeah. that's that's really i i that's really smart it's silly but it's really it's really good it's like someone decided that became a standard for like all yeah yeah in the end that became their new way of getting no, no tractor beams if you if you're a shit ship you can't afford a tractor beam so you have to use a grabbing <laughs> <Yeah>. arm <laughs> 
That's a good shot. It looks really good. There's a bit in the um, in the DVD documentary that deals with like that was actually quite a slightly complicated stunt to have her holding Danny at that height. Yeah. Uh, obviously, she didn't do it for real. But <laughs> I can't remember what the story is, so this is a, a pointless <laughs> thing to say. I mean, Danny Danny weighs about three kilograms, so that was just <laughs> that is true. It's it's weird. So I guess we'll. We've got plenty of time to talk about the other mechanized costumes, but they even the 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 kind of the hero ones um, look like mm. their faces are melting, and it's and the, their performances seem to suffer like they're they're kind of constantly like drawling and. I think that's just something that Robert is very seasoned with and knows how to work past that, and it's something that I imagine that if you were to, yeah, do it, if you're not done, I think it'd be very difficult because because. Robert's had the the level of experience of being able to know how to when to push his mouth to make it make a sound that he doesn't uh, you know wouldn't normally be able to do, but I think the other guys are just not seasoned. But it's difficult. It, it does sound like it's a you know it's a and, slightly yeah their makeup squashed. job is probably different to Robert's as well. I, I yeah maybe not quite as attached like it. I mean. You can have fun looking in the background of just looking at all the shortcuts they've made to to, to have crowds. And it's really impressive. Like it's an impressive feat, but like there's some funny there's some funny like you know, there's a lot of sunglasses in this. Sunglasses and berets. So do you think there's no tops of the masks then? With with anyone who's wearing a beret? Like they they've got like a heat. It might be just might be genuinely a ventilation thing. It could genuinely be like they've got like a gap on the top to stop them. So so it's almost like a a wrap around mask. Yeah, it's, it's wrap around. It could be that the yeah the berets are attached yeah. to the mask and it just goes over like a glove. <laughs> they lift up like a like, like a glove. But like <laughs> um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I just think I because we've seen like Craig talking about when he was in the suit and he was just like he showed how bad it was with the, the sweat and everything. It's just mm. I, all these people in here, poor bastards. Oh, I suppose that, that's the thing as well as Robert, um, the hero mechanoids are the other three guys yeah that's true. so even even of the milfs people even the best ones of those are secondary to um having to make sure these guys were right yeah the quantity of them yeah, is they're, impressive they're all wearing gloves as well all the ones all yeah. the background ones are wearing gloves and the um the the, the like the the uh, i'm not sure what the term is but their suits they all look like identical mold mold Presses basically that have just like mass produced ten of them or whatever, yeah. and just uh, stuck. And they've up. all got yeah. tunic. They've all got their own tunics on underneath so that they yeah. fit. Uh, that one, they're probably the one very the comfortable. Foreground now has got a much bigger neck than all the ones in the background yeah. because she's a shorter actor. It's Laura Checkley, isn't it? That one, I... the actor who's now in King Gary and a few other things. She's becoming a bit of a star. Oh wow! Okay. So this is this concept is one of those hoary old tales that anyone who's been to a DJ will have been hearing about since the early two thousands. Yeah. Of mm-hmm. I, I don't know is it, if it, is it Robert that said that it was always one of his ideas that the others should be Crichton, along with his wonderful idea of there should be lots of little baby Crichtons. Baby Crichtons. Um, oh, so look out for series thirteen, series fourteen, whatever the fuck. Mm-hmm. Um, for that one, but it's yeah. um, it, this is a long like the cat episode, like you know the couple of cat episodes we got with can of worms and 
<clears throat> Promised Land. This is a long time coming. <laughs> yeah, this is an excellent. Um, <laughs> the cat has a very small brain joke. <laughs> mm. <laughs> Borrowing shamelessly from um, <laughs> from t- um, Body Swap, but um, still being funny, I think. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's really remarkable how they all still look like themselves. Yeah. Like, more so than Crichton looks like Robert. Yeah. It's weird. I, for ages, I could never see Robert in... Like, when you see Robert out of the mask and Robert in the mask, it's always been one of those things I've like, I've never really been able to pass either one. Like, it just doesn't look right. When I saw it in DNA, I genuinely thought that Robert Llewellyn was playing a new person. Like, it was playing a version of Crichton that wasn't in the mask. Oh, it wasn't necessarily the same person? No, it wasn't like, the same person. Yeah, I didn't yeah, realise yeah. it was the same I guy. That, that's actually what he looks like. Yeah. Because he just look. I think mm. it's because his head just looks so... He's quite a tall guy mm. and he's quite got quite also, a thin head in DNA. It's never been necessary for them to make Crichton look like Robert Llewellyn, but it is necessary yeah. for them to make these look like the actors. Uh, oh, so okay. they yeah. presumably went through That's a different true. process. That's a good point. Uh, so, yeah, if you're doing the design from scratch now with 2016 yeah. technology versus 1989. Look at the USA pilot, it's much more noticeable. Obviously, it's a bit shitter, but I mean, the, the, <laughs> yeah. the USA pilot would definitely you can see Robert's face in the mask. That's much more noticeable. The, that's true. The only thing yeah. that's slightly weird is that, I mean, the, <clears throat> for whatever reason, the 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 the, the Lister mechanoid has been like completely whitewashed, and I'm not entirely sure why. And so sometimes when you're glancing at him, you sometimes I think like, is that is that one Lister or Rimmer, like in promo shots or something? It, sometimes it can be, you know, there isn't like a distinctive. It doesn't really match Craig's complexion. Yeah. Um, is, I don't know. It's more the shape of his head that gives it away, to be fair. Strange. Right? Well, the rumor one's got an H. Well, okay, the rumor one's got an H. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know... Well, all the characters of Red Dwarf have got their own sort of cartoon-style distinctive features, and so the the cat mechanoid retains his teeth as well. Do you know what? It's yeah. the dreads. It's the lack of... It, well, it's the lack of the if, hair, isn't it? If they had, like, a bike... Uh, three bike chains or something yeah. <laughs> attached to oh, them to represent be... the dreads. So look at, look at all the foreground... Crichton's here. Oh, all the foreground mechanoids. Sorry, it's like calling everyone. Oh, oh. <laughs> Tannoy. Yeah, Tannoy, or like <laughs> you mean public addresses? To- toads in Mario. <laughs> um, they're all like, um, yeah, they've all got they all got sunglasses on. All very still, like uh, Alan Partridge's yeah. wife in. Um... <laughs> I mean, this this is basically a domestic abuse. Yeah, this is a domestic abuse meeting. Okay. Which is, you know, it was about time that that got taken down a peg or two. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't really know what to think about this because it's like it's it it's not meant in any bad way. It's just no, it's fine. It, it's 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 it works fine for the for the mechanoid thing. It, for, for me, it's... yeah, the target of it isn't victims of domestic abuse or whatever. No, it's no, 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 no. It could have gone wrong, but it's. I think it's just a funny scene that happens to be set it's, in an equivalent to that, yeah. rather than it taking the piss out. No, of not it. yeah, it's not. It's not making light of that situation. It's not making light of that situation. It's making light of the fact that mechanoids are doing work I for think, humans. Not that. It's not. not yeah, I just. I, th- I think. I think the characterization of everyone who's attending this meeting is played for laughs, and it's a little bit like they're, they're made to look a little bit insipid and a little bit like you know they've all got their uh, hippie names, right? Like that. Mm. That's that's what one way of doing it, and it just I don't know. 
I think probably the leader more so than the um, attendees is like that. So in that case, That's you can true. say, well, it's okay to kind of take the piss out of uh, like a hippie type guy that yeah. runs a group rather than taking the piss out of the attendees of the group. But the the main guy, really, it's weird that he looks like series three and four Crichton. Like, <laughs> he looks like Robert in the mask when Robert was a bit thinner. So the way Lister was making these sandwiches reminds me <laughs> of when you're a kid at school and you get into trouble and you get told to write lines and you go down and write the first letter on down all the, and then the second letter <laughs> thinking that it's faster which makes absolutely no and you can tell as well because you can see the words drift apart. Slightly yeah, 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 exactly. And then, then you get in trouble for that, and then it's just a never-ending cycle. Well, no, but the thing is, you're then you end up how do you get in trouble for that? I don't get, I don't understand that you're getting in trouble for doing the like trying to cheat the doing... system, trying to cheat the system. But you're not trying to cheat the system. How is it's that cheating still the, the same system? amount of work? You've still got to write the same amount of words. It doesn't make any difference. I, I mean, I got into trouble for it. I think just because it's like. You're still pissing about in some way. Like you're still managing to <laughs> circumvent this punishment by pissing about. <laughs> Take it seriously. I think anyone who made anyone do lines in school should be sued for wasting people's time. <laughs> I mean, there was a lot. Of, I mean, even in the even in the eighties and early nineties, there was a lot of dodgy teaching practices still going on. Yes. <laughs> like there, there was still there was still the ruler when when uh, in the late eighties for me. And nonces. And yeah, I mean, nonces are perennial. <laughs> anyway, we've deviated. <laughs> so, Lister, I, like... I was going to say Lister is now doing it, but that's all ended now. That's all done. Yeah. That's all done. Okay, so the idea like of the escape the, plan uh... is kind of a crazy thought because the heads would not fit through the bars, but you know, we'll, we'll go with it. Oh. There's something about this scene. Uh, I've spoken about this before, I think, but when I first watched this, and I think it's due to the fact that this was like this classic idea that we'd been waiting for for years. Mm. When Chris started doing this speech, I just felt this like tingle mm. <laughs> of like this is like I'm witnessing something really special here, yeah. which doesn't last for the rest of the episode because I think it goes massively downhill in the next ten minutes or so. But there's something about this little moment here because it is it feels so true to Rimmer's character that you know, this huge weight is lifted off his shoulders now all the pressures off like he's just got his place in life he's got his duties and he can do them they're at his level mm-hmm. he find he doesn't find it too difficult and he's satisfied there suddenly life makes a lot more sense to him and it's uh, it's just a really nice bit of rimmering yeah and not only that not only is it like a perfect Rimmer character moment and realisation, but it's a part of Rimmer that I'm pretty sure everyone can relate to in one way or another mm. as well, of like that that desire for something uncomplicated and, <clears throat> you yeah. know, especially if you're an adult with, you know, like, you know, various responsibilities and you sometimes think, Do you know what, I just wish <laughs> that none of these yeah. responsibilities existed and that I was just told what to do and it was just simple every day. Mm. Um but also as a performance piece as well, the way he's like over the course of his scenes is slowly transitioning yeah. into full mechanoid mode. It's nice to be reminded that Chris Barry can still be subtle. Yeah. It's, I tell you what's interesting is the fact that how quick Rimmer accepts it as well. Like he's so willing to just like lose this 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 veneer his humanity. Of, yeah, he's he's quite willing to drop it whenever we're given a chance. Obviously, Lister's the one that fights against it the hardest. I have the same feeling when he had looking at fish um, uh, when I look at a cat 
I, I, I am immensely <laughs> jealous of cats. I, I always I find myself doing this with just like you lucky fucking furry bastard. <laughs> when a woman screws you up so bad, <laughs> you want to be a cat. Yeah. Oh yeah, good point. Yeah. <laughs> There's something in common. It there. must be a must be a yeah. Something in Doug's psyche. Right. Here's um one of the most uh, famous and recognizable <laughs> guest stars of like the current you know, for a for a young current audience that yeah. we've had in the Davia of Red Dwarf. And you would have no idea whatsoever if it wasn't yeah. for the credits and the people. Five, minute, five, five minutes. Ten, ten minutes maybe, generously, he's in this I mean, like it's ten minutes until the end of the episode, but he's not even yeah. in all the scenes. He just turns up again towards yeah. the end though, And he's this. great, he's a great comedy actor. Like you should have had him in as the main role, you know? I've got to ask, why did she take off his hand? Um what was that um what's the what's the point? <laughs> Punishment to de- to incapacitate I don't know. Doesn't help, doesn't work. Well, it doesn't, doesn't really do pay off either, does it? No, he's still got his hand and apparently didn't hurt, so when Cat broke his finger, why did that hurt? Maybe because he's was still himself at that point, because it's the whole thing that they're yeah, slowly okay. becoming, okay. their brains are being slowly taken mm-hmm. over. You can see Craig's eyebrows. Too. You can, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just noticed the little, uh, yeah... What's interesting here as well is that ev- ev- my mum, like Lister, running then, and all of the other, all of the other androids when they're moving about and walking, they're all trying to move like robots. But Robert has been doing it for so long and is so masterful at moving like a robot and not making it look stupid that everyone else just looks like kids pretending to be robots next to him. <laughs> <laughs> like everyone else is like, zzz, zzz, I am a robot and. Yeah, Robert, <laughs> like every every movement he makes, he moves like a robot, it's, it's but in a really it, yeah. natural kind of way. Yeah. Oh God! Oh, yeah. <laughs> they all spoke and their mouths didn't move. It's like <laughs> that the, um, there's that publicity shot of all of uh, I think it's Doug sat in the in the the. I think it might be Prince Charles Cinema, and there's like loads of people with with crowd mass around him, and it's it's mm. when the mask isn't set on properly, it's yeah. a fucking nightmare to look. It's, it's at. like, like it's, it's like th- third place at a Dimension Jump um, costume competition. <laughs> um, so w- w- the, the the talk about like different um, different versions of the of the androids, and like you know the the exposing the hypocrisy here is a is a is a nice. A, a nice little, you know, bit of commentary, if a tiny bit obvious. I like it, but like as we get along, the the, the difference between hardware and software differences between versions gets completely blurred. Yeah. Um, oh look, he's got his hand back. Oh, there we go. Like, yeah, so there you go. So what? That, exactly. Brilliant. Like it was just wasn't good. <laughs> and they're in Sunbury Pump House. Oh yeah, this is actually yeah. I recognise those big green bits of mechanisms, machinery. Is the word I'm looking for? Why is this? Why? Why? Why is? Why is? <laughs> See, this is what I mean. Why it all just goes a bit. Uh, yeah, it gets I think a bit basically weird. it was a case of look at this nice, this nice location. We need to use it. I mean, it, it looks great. It does look fantastic. But it's just, it's just a bit of a mess story-wise that they go and do this weird gladiatory thing yeah it's it's, it's not that clear why is it Lister having to do it to Crichton why is it not a, a, the gladiator that they choose or you know is, I don't know 
it's just it's like they've suddenly changed what this society is about. Mm. So like at various points it's been sort of military and hippie-ish and now it's this weird sort of ancient tribal thing. Mm. Yeah. And and death by combat. They they'd set up like the the unfair society um here like they they could have like Crank could have led an uprising to the uprising, you know, like you know, mm. le- leading all the workers up, and then you know, having this, having a mop battle, I guess, you know, <laughs> with everyone at the end, rather than it just all kind of just taking this screeching turn to something that has no thematic or dramatic. It's not co- thematically or dramatically continuing anything that has happened in the episode. It is oh. just gladiator it's, battle. Yeah. <laughs> It's gone a bit Star Trek in a way. It's gone a bit <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sort of Spock fight. Bit Kirk. Robot Wars, actually. Yeah. <laughs> Literally. Robot Wars. <laughs> I do like these action shots are pretty cool. Yeah, it's <laughs> I feel nicely. They're really, really dramatic. Craig's having the time yeah, of his well, life. Look it's at well him. shot and it looks. I think, yeah, it looks fantastic. It does look really, th- it does look really dramatic. <laughs> Not a well shot waste of time. And I think even Craig. And they all start shunting MILF. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, um, the word's lost all meaning at this point. American pie. Yeah. It's, it's such an incongruous joke to put in this episode as well. Like, oh, it's definitely. It's I'm, one of those I'm not jokes above just... hilarious I'm not opposed to it. But. Didn't, wasn't it? Craig's suggestion. Yeah, yeah. so it was, it was it was MLF originally, and that was yeah. just the name of it because it was that's what the acronym of that was. And then so it was like, oh, it might as well be MILF, but it's like all the posters have been made by then. And so they yes, had to sort of shoot it. everything in a way that didn't show the actual names yeah. and all the, all the effort that someone put in because someone made a fucking joke at the end of the day. So here's a question. Mm. If, if, if the literal Deus Ex Machina has been mentioned a couple of times in passing, is it still a Deus Ex Machina, despite the fact that it is literally a Deus Ex Machina at the end of the episode? <laughs> Mm. It's literally a Deus Ex machine. Machine. Ah. <laughs> well, ah. yeah. I mean, it is God, turns up, upgrades everyone. And... Well, my main problem with it is, which I think you were alluding to earlier, that they were talking about the differences between the, the mm-hmm. different classes of holo- of um, mechanoids being about um, one of them's got alloys, one of them's it's a f- seven it's centimetres thinner, yeah. etc. Physical hardware differences. And then... Siliconia comes along with a software update that makes them all the same. Yeah. So it makes them thinner and lighter somehow. Yeah. If it if it was to be realistic, all of the all of the, the older mechanoids should now run about ten percent slower. Yeah. <laughs> and some of their apps won't work. Yeah, some of their apps won't work. Like they're all thirty two bit. They're they're running on the old architecture, like you know, they've moved on to their own <laughs> ARM based um processors now. Oh, there you go. Look, Lister brought quite one drink. <laughs> <laughs> so they're all square now. They're all square now. A <laughs> uh, couple of things, yeah. Lister doing Baby Don't Be Ovulating Tonight. <laughs> uh, we just get a couple of bars of it there, but there's a deleted scene of him performing the whole song with Cat uh, and Rimmer still suffering from their mechanoidness uh, being forced to dance along and do backing vocals um, it was quite rightly deleted because it's weird and I think if it had been in the episode I would absolutely hate it but as an isolated deleted scene it really works, it's really funny just in and of itself 
um, as a piece of just them three pissing about, about. and Chris Barry doing a funny face. Okay, it's so as good. an idea, it's good, but as a plot, it doesn't work. If it, if it was something that actually happened in the episode, it would be a really odd thing to happen. Which is weird, because I'm sure there's many, 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 many instances of that going on in previous to off, but because we don't see that much of the deleted stuff, other than what's on the DVDs, but even the deleted stuff, you like, I can see why they... Like, okay, for instance, the um, the poker scene in um, yep. Polymorph. Is it Polymorph? And the, the failed animation scene from Back to Reality. Like, yeah. seeing the old, the old show when it falls flat on its face is some of the best stuff about seeing the deleted scenes. Do you remember that? When, yeah. when they, 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 they had a video effect trying to make them all look like... Like, like 2D sprites. 2D sprites, yeah. It was a complete yeah. disaster, but it's... It's great. Just interesting. Yeah. It's almost like like I mean, everyone remembers Red Dwarf Live, you know, when when we thought we were gonna get that, which was basically gonna be like I don't know, like individual scenes or something. It might be kinda cool to see like just Unplugged. Uh, yeah, unplugged, sorry. Um so yeah, everyone remembers Red Dwarf Live, he says while getting the name <laughs> wrong. Um But like little sketches like that of just like completely apropos nothing. Like here's Lister singing "Don't Be Ovulating Tonight" with Lister and Cat being forced to dance. Everyone and Cat being forced yeah. to dance. Great in in isolation. That's funny. Move on, and then we will have another scene where you know, just like there is. Yeah, I've often had an idea of making um, Dave Era Dwarf the sketch show. Yeah, and just taking bits like that, and like there's elements of Dear Dave. Um, there's the Hoagie the Rogie stuff. Um, there's various bits from throughout those three suits, like some of the uh, universes in Skipper that just work as sort of isolated sketches yep. almost. I could put together a half hour cut that is the Red Dwarf sketch show. Yeah, really. And uh, the Sit See if Red Dwarf clips well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> See how quickly it gets taken down off YouTube. Uh, yeah, that's true. The other thing is Siliconia itself. Is that the most efficient way to do software upgrades for mechanoids? Having a a giant floating space station and wait for things to go to it. <laughs> yeah, it's um, like it's like accidentally yeah. like if you had a PC that's not been connected to the internet and suddenly it plugs in and Windows just goes insane with the amount of updates and pop-ups and everything. It's like, oh shit, don't fly too close to Siliconia. We'll be all rebooting for the whole day. Yeah, yeah. I've got stuff to do. Later, later. No, no, schedule for tonight, yeah. I'll I'll remember to leave it on. Well, you've hit the clit on the head there with the not connecting to the internet thing because it is it falls into my long-term theory that the internet doesn't exist in the Red Dwarf universe because it didn't... Uh, well, the internet existed. The web as we know it and the, the practical uses of the internet that we know didn't exist when Red Dwarf started. It's very rarely a thing in the original six series to have anything that's vaguely about connectivity of computers. Uh, obviously, in the Dave era, the internet is very much a thing, but it's still not really used that much in Red Dwarf, not referred to that much. Yeah. Holly communicates with other computers by sending a uh, post to them. <laughs> like physical posts. But that's because that, so that's fair enough in like the 80s because the internet didn't exist but Doug like there's a there's a clearly a decision that's been made to keep that attitude going. Yeah. Cuz cuz yeah, you're right. We like we haven't ended up in in the age of the internet. We don't yeah, they don't really have it. It's it's all yeah. radio signals and you know 
talking to someone yeah, on a video link or I something. I can't quite remember it, but M-Core, like the upgrades that they have in M-Core, I think they're physical thing, like upgrades that are delivered. And of course, in the yeah. Promised Land, Holly's startup disc being a big floppy disc thing. At, at times in the Dave era, Doug leans into the fact that, um, you know, it's it was a show that was started in the, the, 80s, the 80s and therefore has an 80s look at what the future will be. And there's things that he predicted and got right, like smartwatches, for example, mm. and AI being a huge thing, uh, but it didn't predict the internet. And so Red Dwarf has been kind of stuck in that... Triangle recording media. Triangular... Right. They, they, they got that nailed on. <laughs> they predicted that there would still be any kind of physical media in the future. <laughs> maybe, maybe the... We're still waiting for Back to Earth's prediction of um, everyone being annoyed at things being too easily lost and going back to big, bulky physical media. Now, that's yeah. bound to happen. Like VHS is going to come back in about 10 years, probably. Yeah. Hipsters. I mean, weirdly enough, though, phones have gone from being massive, chunky bricks to tiny phones to being big, fucking bricks again. Yeah, they have gone wave. back to being, you know, like basically because of the need to be sort of more like TVs and more like, you know, like more like tablets and all the rest of it. But they have grown again. They've, they've, you know, they've gone back to being massive. There is an article that I did a few years ago on the subject of Red Dwarf and technological predictions. So I'll put that in the show notes if anyone's not seen it. Back when I used to write proper big in-depth things for Gene, those <laughs> days. Oh, if you wanna, if you wanna read it, just press random endlessly until you find it you'll get there eventually yeah <laughs> so siliconia is better than i remember i will say that now i think the first two-thirds is actually actively very good and it is massively let down by the ending it is a bit of a samsara isn't it in that there's maybe there isn't one individual scene in this that lets the whole thing down like it does in samsara but um the the plot falls to pieces um, but everything leading up to that point, the themes and what Doug's trying to say and everything, all seems to be like coherent and holding together. Um, so it yeah. would have been nice to maybe see that um, uh, followed through, but still a good episode. Still very impressive yeah. in many, many technical ways as well. I think it's one of those things that over time, as more time passes and you get more used to it, that initial disappointment of uh, it doesn't stick the ending matters less as time yeah. goes on. Yeah. I absolutely agree. I watched it earlier just to re-familiarise myself. Cause it, but it is one of the episodes I've watched more than most of the others. And because we've heard about it, it's become this apocryphal plot idea that we've been waiting... Well, we've not been waiting for, but we've been told that you know could be a possibility mm. and you know, it got more and more. And I think at DJ they did say, oh, we're doing the Crichton one, and everyone were like, fucking hell. It was like, a, like the niche had been scratched. <laughs> yeah <laughs> so you know it was like a, finally we're going to get that episode and it and it is fine and it you know it does exactly what it, it, the character stuff is great it's again there's the, the it. anything wrong with the character stuff i think it's more the plot stuff that's the problem yeah. what i like about this is that doug has taken a, a, a an idea that actually to be honest some fans were a bit wary of <laughs> over the years have heard this idea and thought mm, is that going to be good though <laughs> Um, and he took that idea and used it as an opportunity to take a deeper look into the characters than most episodes do, to be honest. So, like, mm. we get some, we get a really good Rimmer moment, as we've discussed. Um, mm. do, doesn't really get followed through on. Um, Lister and Crichton's relationship is explored very well, and actually, yeah. the ending, like Crichton's realization um, about his place and Lister's speech about you know what what Crichton means to him is really touching and really excellent. And you know, resonant character stuff. Um, 
I've always been really interested in Lister and Creighton as a relationship. I think obviously the beating should heart read of Tumblr. It. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the beating heart of the show has always been Lister and Rimmer, uh, their relationship, and that's never going to change. But I think Lister and Creighton is almost as interesting of the way that Lister has mm-hmm. at times of the year has been this sort of aspirational role model for Creighton. But at the same time, one that, as this episode acknowledges, has treated him pretty crappily at times. Of and there is definitely an hypocrisy in Lister, you know, encouraging Crichton to break his programming and teaching him how to lie and cheat and do all the human things, but still basically using him as a, if not a slave, then a servant. And so, yeah, it's good that this episode kind of acknowledges that and and has them discuss it and confronts that issue. It's really nice. It's like a loving but challenging relationship of just like you know two people that love each other very much but one of one of which takes the other for granted more than it mm. than, than is comfortable and then there's a blowout about it and then that person does some token like hey look i'm i'm changing you know I, yeah, I do i'll care. get you this cup of oil and then probably you know the next week it's all <laughs> back to how it was yeah <laughs> it's yeah it's one breakfast in bed yeah <laughs> <laughs> And then where's be watching? There's loads. To, there's loads to dig into, basically, like that, that comes out of this episode. Um, I think it's it's one of those ones that had the potential to be a bit of a stupid knockabout throwaway episode. It took the opportunity to to do more with the characters, and the the that potential just didn't quite follow through. But um, there's still yeah. like it still brings up loads of good stuff to chew on. I should probably be higher than fifty two. If, if well, we're still taking a survey poll. from years ago. <laughs> yeah. Mm. When earlier you talked about James Buckley being really good, were you being sarcastic? Oh, I like I like him. Yeah, I like yeah. I like all the in betweeners guys. I think they're very good. And they have got they've got a good natural um um just a natural comedy to them and a natural kind of um likability. Yeah, I've like never them. watched the in betweeners. It kind of passed me by. Um but I know that for a lot of people who are sort of maybe bit ten years younger than me or so, yeah. um, it's like it's their it's a sitcom that really speaks to them in okay. the same way that Spaced is for our kind of generation. Exactly that. And exactly that. The young yeah. ones, the young ones, was before for the previous generation. I've only seen bits of um, in between, so I've seen the like maybe the best bits. But like, I mean, Simon Bird is the is the best of that group. Like he's. He's very good Fantastic. in Friday Night Dinner. Yeah, exactly. They are comedy actors f- uh, of the you know generation Z, and I can I can definitely see his uh, his value. And he's good in that. Like you know, he's it's just a very naturalistic. It, it's that kind of naturalistic style that isn't always to people of our ages' comedy tastes. Like maybe you know, we are like brought up on the more kind of broader comedy end of things and treat things like like the, the <laughs> i don't know naturalistic comedy and uh, suspicion because of things like the office i don't know uh, or like the vicky gervais kind of movement <laughs> of the early 2000s i don't know i'm talking yeah, very broadly it was the fact here. that the office did it successfully yeah and did it well and then everyone copied it for ages and, and it was assumed that this is the, the new way itself. of doing comedy and the old way is stupid yeah. and so um yeah but there's throwing out the baby with the bathwater yeah exactly but no i like the in-betweeners lads uh, who are not lads and probably only about five years younger than you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, James Buckley is now a, a very successful Twitch streamer. Is he? I mean, yeah. if can all join the queue, everyone is, isn't they? <laughs> yeah. But yeah, he basically, I think he plays games for a living, pretty much. 
and then does the odd advert to make a bit more of extra cash. It's the new main <laughs> main job that you can have because everyone is at home playing games and watching people play games <laughs> yeah. forever. But anyway, all this uh, talk of James Buckley is making me hungry. <laughs> hungry for waffles. Uh, that's what Fantastic. we need right now. Is a great big pile of uh, topics that have been suggested by our loyal listeners slash readers in the section that we like to call... Ah, so you're a waffle, waffle man. man. Okay, the top waffle on this particular pile has been sent to us by LT Dangerous. Lieutenant Dangerous. Who says, in the event TV Dwarf is behind us, and we probably aren't getting any anytime soon, what alternative media would you like to see GMP pursue, and who would you have do them? Novels, of course, but how about letting Big Finish or IDW loose on some audios or comics, etc. Okay, so you got to explain to me IDW. A comics publisher yeah. that does uh, officially licensed Doctor Who stuff. Has done for many, many years. And I think they, they didn't they start out with Paul McGann stuff? Yeah. Um, I think they do Transformers? Robots yes, in they Disguise? Do Transformers. They do Transformers and uh, some Sonic stuff as well. Oh, right, okay, they're the guys who took over Sonic the comic. Yes. Ah, okay, I know, I know who they are. There's several things to pick apart here. Um, I don't accept that TV Dwarf is behind us, uh, although it's true that we're probably not getting it anytime soon because of yeah. COVID, but I don't think it, we're at the, yet at the stage where it's... They're way too stubborn it. for that, like, yeah, yeah, they've proven that, yeah. You can prize out of Doug's cold, dead hands. <laughs> I'm always withering about Big Finish. So Big Finish are basically, the, they take unused chunks of information f- and they explore the more niche areas of, like, st- the unseen parts of the show that weren't... Extended universe books, they but in audio. They just do fuckloads. Yeah. Like, they started off with... They started off when Doctor Who was off air uh, during the big wilderness years, and okay. they did, like, new adventures for, the at that time, the three most recent uh, Doctors, Davidson, Colin Baker, and... Sylvester McCoy. Yes, um, but it's it's just now ridiculous. I'm kind of in awe of it and also cynical of it at the same time. Yeah. It's impossible to ever catch up on Big Finish. They release about eight different releases a month. Wow! And it would cost you like hundreds of pounds a month to to listen to all of them. They do ongoing adventures for past Doctors, but they also do like they'll take characters that appeared in one episode in the mid seventies and create 12 series worth of spin-off adventures for them they've done like reimagined like what if this happened instead of this like alternate canon type things so there's yeah. this massive thing and like i'm sure that there is thousands uh, of really good audios within there but it's just so, such a giant maze to get through that i'm never going to bother because no. like it's impossible to complete so even when i have cherry picked so i think this was maybe like mid 2000s when they there was a, a a big exciting time because McGann was going to do a series and it was with Sheridan Smith. Mm. And I was like, oh, this is going to be great, so I'll jump on with these. And there were just, like, everything I've listened to from Big Finish has just been on the wrong side of mediocre. Like, on, on the line between mediocre and good, but just, like, you just think, like, oh, this is just, like, it feels like it's getting churned out eight eight episodes a month, you know what I mean? Like, it feels like yeah. there's just too much 
too much effort towards volume rather than um, if the kind of things are being slowed down a bit. And presumably that's just how the business model is and how it needs to continue um, to be sustainable and to, I don't know, keep paying for the license or whatever. But it's... Um, and, and and was it recently they announced like this huge cross-like narrative mm. initiative with, you know, including as many doctors as they possibly could and everything. And it was just, it was a, it was a meme on Twitter as to how incomprehensible it was for Doctor Who fans. Yeah. You know, Time um, Lord Victorious, Time Lord Victorious, audios, books, comics, action figures, T-shirts, um, escape rooms, and live experiences, which kind of didn't work in the end for some reason. <laughs> um, yeah, but no. So yeah, I think what we're hitting upon is the problem with Red Dwarf is that you can't really trust anyone else other than. Rob and or Doug to do it. Um, uh, the magazines were the closest to that. That true. Person. Were they auth- Were they sort of signed off by? I mean, hit and miss. Doug and Rob, or <laughs> they kind of left alone because it looks, it feels like they were left to their own devices. To be fair, for the most part, yeah. And there was um, there was quite a lot of talent involved there, um, like lots of different writers and different artists who mm. did really good stuff, and a lot of them have gone on to be really successful. Uh, since, yeah, um, but yeah, it was it was very much a mixed bag. But when the magazine comics were good, they were very good. I can I can see it. I can see it continuing. Now I could. It, it's weird because there's so many sort of scenarios where a comic book version of it would suit much better than a live action version. Mm. Like like more adventures with uh, canaries would work better in a comic book than I think it would. On a, a, as a sitcom thing, because you yeah. could do more serious stuff without mm. having to be funny all the time. You can get you can do more serious stuff with with a comic book or an audio book or something like that. And I think you can an audio drama is something mm. I would be really interested in. Like that would be such mm-hmm. a cool idea. An audio try. drama with that cast, that full cast, because it's something we've not really had. Well, there was the um, the radio adverts for the AA. <laughs> the oh, closest yeah. we've got. <laughs> but I mean, so much of Red Dwarf is dialogue based. Um, despite you know despite its sci-fi exterior and everything and and Mm. almost feel like a radio play or an audio thing would force doug down a particular corridor that would end up with episodes or with stuff that is closer to maybe some of the you know in style to some of the stuff that we liked about you know the older the older stuff like more conversational Mm. longer longer scenes a little bit more room to breathe it's kind of one of the reasons why i'm really interested in what rob's done with with this Holly Hop um, script, uh, Table Read, because mm. that's essentially that that's an audio drama. That's it, yeah. Which is of course already happened. It's kind of like the um, the script that that Rob did for Holly Hop, which was of um, I have no idea what quality that was of, but it's interesting <laughs> all the same. So so maybe not a full like audio production, like sound effects and soundscapes and stuff like that, but just like. I don't know. I would like, and again, I'm retreading all ground here, but I really would like to hear Infinity done as an audio play, like with mm. a cast, rather than it being just one person reading the book. Or, it would be done as uh, in characters with Craig and Chris and Robert, and you know, I would like to hear that. I would love Doug, to hear that. Or Doug just reaching into his drawers and picking out a random Penis. movie draft from the early 2000s and say, "Yeah, just do this one." I mean, yeah. I think the movie script 
done in some form because obviously we know that bits of it have been pilfered and yeah. cannibalized for episodes but you know just makes so it a little more interesting it's like it's in the grand tradition yeah. isn't it of like the red dwarf novels it's like yeah yeah you know, it's pilfering loads from the tv the show doesn't matter alternative history yeah yeah it's it, it's like it's like an extension of of that like let's introduce you know the at this point the fourth or fifth different universe for a dwarf and and this time it's the movie in in an audio play and it doesn't even have to be an audio play it's literally just a, a table read with with you know doug maybe reading the um stage notes that would be very successful i would imagine i don't know how you'd release that though i would buy it and if we're talking about other mediums where red dwarf could continue just to again go over stuff that we've talked about before but video games yeah we've talked massively about like how that would work or how that wouldn't work but it's yeah. something that i'd like them to try more than just an app on the, the, phone. the, the problem with video games is that 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 is the medium that is the choice that will require the most amount of outside creative um assistance from um, mm. a different group of people so like if you're doing an audio an audio play could be could be done by Doug recording something in his garden like, with everyone two meters apart you know mm-hmm. like oh, th- that that is the the extent to which you know um no no one has to come in for writing duties for any sort of you know artistic duties but with a game you've that is what that is when you're signing over the whole of the thing to some to another creative force and yeah. with writing as well so like that would be that's the big risky one i think that's probably why it hasn't happened as well there is no potential production that would get the that they would get the most out of as well because you would mm-hmm. basically have people who are have been wanting this thing to exist for so long that they would make it happen. That's the thing. But you have the most yeah. ready people to it's do true. it. No, you'd get, you know, they're chomping yeah. at the bit and waiting to, 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 to get their teeth into a project like that. So It would need a really strong... I mean, it's, it's the problem with so many games of just like you can... Like, there's been not enough direction given. And so when you, if, you, if you're making a Red Dwarf game, it's going to have to be some some a very strong creative direction which i'm not entirely sure is going to be very easy to achieve you know like we're pretty much in agreement that red dwarf not written by either rob or doug is kind of pointless right like i i could i could get like i'm i'm on board with this fresh cast for this experiment that rob's doing great because rob's writing it like at its center because of the books red dwarf is rob and doug rob and or doug so Rob, Doug or Rob would have to be the creative force behind a game guiding it and I don't think either of them are particularly in that world enough to be mm. able to do that so a game would have to really be just signing it over to someone else entirely and it's if you're doing something other than a mobile game that is just using the writing from the show that's one thing but like doing something that's going to be substantial um, yeah, you would need some some writer that is just like, yeah, this guy gets Red Dwarf or this person gets Red Dwarf. Just let them write a new story, and they know what they're doing in order to get that made into a game. So we'd have to kind of take a bit of a leap of faith with that. It was very rambly, but I hope I yeah, it's all, <laughs> yeah. all correct, all good. So basically, I think my favorite, my favorite definitely is some some sort of audio thing, some a, a podcast. Like you know, podcast like the way Robert did it with um, his audio book for the Man in the Rubber Mask extended um mm. that he did quite a while ago now at this point to include up to series 10 like you know get, getting the cast together getting some advertisers together using the podcast model for an audio adaptation of whatever the hell yeah audio adventures i mean yeah in terms of 
a direct continuation. Like, if it came to a point where doing it on TV was no longer possible, either because of the broadcaster not being there, not being interested anymore, and, you know, literally telling them you're not coming back, mm. then a, an audio, new episodes as audios would be the best way to go. Mm. If we wanted it to continue to limp on. Indeed. Which I would. <laughs> yeah. I'm not I'm I'm never gonna be ready for Red Dwarf to have a full stop after it. Yeah. It's never had a full stop, it's always been an ellipsis. <laughs> so next up we had a, a topic in from the Starbug Club on Twitter. Uh that just said the lack of Red Dwarf on Dave. And then someone called Starbug replied to say, Yes, I agree. Gold might as well be the only Falls and Horses channel, so Dave should be a Red Dwarf channel. It should be called Dave Lister. So, so first of all, thank you to the Starbug twins. <laughs> yeah. no, the Star- Starbug Club and Starbug. Starbug, basically the Starbug Club with a, a, a false moustache on. <laughs> so I wasn't necessarily aware of there being a lack of Red Dwarf on Dave. Nor I. But I think it's one of those where it's seasonal. And yeah, they're right that gold in particular has its perennials. Like you always have only fours and horses on gold all the damn time. Um, <laughs> porridge as well. Yeah. Forty Towers, dinner ladies, that kind of Forty thing. Towers on a loop. Yeah. And then every now and then on gold you'll get the Young Ones or the League of Gentlemen or yeah. Inside Number 9 or Vicar of Dibley or whatever that comes every now and then. And I think Dave's perennials are their sort of original panel shows and well some BBC panel shows as well like there's always QI and have I got yeah. news for you on Dave even though have I got news for you is the most pointless thing to repeat like, <laughs> yeah. recent have I got news for you from about three years ago is the most pointless thing to repeat because it's no longer topical enough to be funny but not old enough to be interesting yeah. if you're going to repeat have I got news for you repeat have I got news for you from 1990 it's, it's barely worth because then that is that is now an historical thing that is of interest <laughs> it's barely watching have I got news for you from 2017 is absolutely useless to everyone yeah anyway <laughs> I digress <laughs> um you... but yeah Dave doesn't really have sitcoms or scripted things that it shows on a loop in the same way Gold does it will show Taskmaster and Top Gear and QI over and over again uh, but it doesn't really do it with Red Dwarf or indeed any um, scripted thing. Isn't it interesting that in its BBC days, Red Dwarf was always stuck on BBC Two; it never never got its BBC One promotion. And that even though Gold is like the sitcom channel, Red Dwarf has yeah. never been on Gold. It's always been G Two, Gold Two, which is now Dave. <laughs> it's like it was on Gold when. UK TV had fewer channels. Oh, okay. It right. start, the first repeats were on UK Gold, and then, yeah, it did. As soon as G2 turns up. When they expanded it out. But having said that, like it, despite the fact that Gold, or UK Gold as it was originally called, is the longest established of those channels, Dave is the biggest by far, and that's partly thanks to the fact that it's on Freeview, mm. um, whereas Gold is still a premium channel. But in terms of viewership, Dave is the biggest of their channels, and Red Dwarf is the biggest show on Dave. Yeah, got its crown back. For that reason, you would expect that they would be showing Dwarf all the time. But obviously, like, New Red Dwarf gets them their biggest viewing figures, especially now that they've lost Taskmaster, which was their second biggest show. Mm-hmm. New Red Dwarf is guaranteed bums on seats for Dave, but I don't know if repeats necessarily yeah. are, because anyone that's interested in Red Dwarf has got those episodes, pretty much. Yeah, and people turn on Dave um, on, a, on a day-by-day basis for for the, the, the panel shows, I think. Yeah. Because like pa- background sh- viewing, yeah, really. exactly. Background viewing, and just like uh, uh, you're right about. Have I got news for you? 
but then I think if anyone is like enough of a fan of how I got news for you to watch it, watch new episodes, if those people are still out there, which presumably they are, then they're enough of a fan to watch 2017 episodes as well. But like, yeah, you're right. Like people are going to watch Taskmaster repeats because you can watch Taskmaster repeats constantly qi repeats constantly because it's just easy watching so they're probably the things that get the big numbers and like they've never i mean we've talked about this before but like back to earth how many repeats has back to earth ever had not many i think well i seem to recall every now and then when it was the only new dwarf yeah but as soon as series 10 came along it was kind of i I guess it's a weird thing to fit into any schedule isn't it yeah because you you schedule like a channel like dave around like we've got three hours of of a whole series of this show and then we've got three hours of a whole series of this show or like we've got an hour of two episodes of this show and back to earth doesn't fit into either of those (laughs) slots no yeah (laughs) most of the sitcoms that they show are in 40 minute slots and back to earth is in a 30 minute slot because the actual running time of each episode of back to earth is about 24 minutes yeah but what's really weird is the fact that Back to Earth is not even available on demand. Mm. Like, it's just oh, literally yeah. wiped off the face of the Earth. It's just not Four available anywhere. Crux. Yeah. You can get one to eight on Netflix, or you can get 10, 11, and 12 on uh, UK TV Player and The Promised Land and The Three Million Years Later and all that stuff. But Back to Earth, non existent. Cannot get it anywhere. It's insane. I wonder if there's an interesting story behind that. Well, we know that it's not what Doug wanted to make. No. And I think there is a received opinion that it was a complete part of shit, which isn't the case, and I think does it a disservice. Yeah. It doesn't fit in the big over of Red Dwarf from Series 1 to The Promised Land. It doesn't feel like anything before or since, and that's why it's odd. But it, in and of itself, it is not shit entirely. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so no, there's okay. bits of it that are shit, yeah. but it is not shit. It's unusual. It still deserves server space. I don't think it's, it's yeah. not something that... It shouldn't be ignored completely. I don't mm-hmm. think it's something that needs to be... It shouldn't be something you should be ashamed of. Unfortunately for it, it's been named in a way that it can be scrubbed from history. Because it, although no, I'm saying that it's not. It's not like it's got a number that someone would notice missing in a big list. But there is no series nine. So what am I fucking talking about? Um, <laughs> well, Rob and Doug didn't want series one repeated. Uh, they didn't want it on VHS. It was years before it was released yeah. on VHS until they came around to the fact that yeah, it has has merit. Yeah. And it seems like if he's got a larger amount of control over these things now then um, he would maybe be the sort of you know to, to, to just say no can you not <laughs> can you can you just not I don't want this um, or it could be that the you know the, as we've said the schedulers on UK TV don't can't be asked with it yeah <laughs> like it's or there's just not as much show, yeah I mean show either the classic ones or 10 to 12 but I think going back to the original question there have been periods where Dave has very much been like the red. Well, it's never going to shift top gear in terms of you know minutage. No, but it has had. There's been periods where they've shown like Red Dwarf marathons every weekend, where they've shown an entire series on a Sunday. Yeah, uh, often shown the entire series on a Saturday, and then the exact same series again on the Sunday. Mm. Either that, or there's been an episode on daily at eleven o'clock or something after your Taskmaster and QI repeats. But I think if there's not at the moment, then it's a blip rather than the norm. It's just having a break, think... like don't burn people out, sort of a thing. Yeah, yeah. 
and you know give it a couple of months i'm sure there'll be another red dwarf marathon that they start plugging mm-hmm. new red dwarf isn't only important to dave but red dwarf as a property is clearly important to uk tv because uk tv play tweets about red dwarf a hell of a lot mm. the bill in red dwarf seems to be the things that uk <laughs> tv play twitter account tweet about the most <laughs> it's good balance on that account and that's encompassing all of uk tv so every genre that they have they've got what eight or nine different channels drama history comedy etc and yet red dwarf is still one of the most important shows to them yeah so i was going to be there in some way and an answer to the uh, it should be called dave lister someone didn't watch back to earth when it was yeah dave yeah lister. again back yeah. to earth being erased from history oh, fuck yeah it was called dave lister <laughs> briefly <laughs> that was a good touch like god dave really threw themselves behind that i mean obviously they had to they probably spent a lot, hell of a lot of money on it yeah that was a very cool thing very self-aware thing to do it's the sort of thing you'd expect a channel called fucking dave to do um but in a good way. I just, I just think the marketing for that whole, that whole aesthetic of that channel was fucking genius. Yeah, I mean, because even the people that hated it were talking about it all the time, and I know that because I'm one of the people that hated it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it and I hated it, and yet I was there at seven a.m. when the channel rebranded when it launched in the morning. It launched, and it was uh, Top Gear was the first thing it showed, and I was really excited about oh, really? it. And it has never been off since. Uh, our final waffle for today is from Dave Hudson, who asks, given that Captain Hollister is in Aliens, is he proof that Red Dwarf and the Alien series shares the same universe? Um, okay. <laughs> uh, Dave? Um... <laughs> now sit down. Sit down, Dave. Are you sat yeah. down? It, there, okay, there's, there's a person who is not Captain Hollister. He's a guy. It's, it's complicated, right? But he's, he's a guy... And he is told to say lines in a specific way and told by a director, and they're called actors. And what happens <laughs> is the same person is allowed, you know, encouraged to, in fact, to encouraged. be. To be. It can be in different films, but it's the same person. It's the same person playing two different people. And if you look in Batman, he's in that as well. So, I mean, he also shares the same universe as Batman if we're going to go down that road. But they're, they're actors, mate. They're not real. So if if he was credited as, as Hollister in Aliens, then we'd have a, we're having a very different discussion now. And actually, well, I'm problem. thinking about this. Was he even in Aliens? Or was he, was yes. he, was he, wasn't that the film he was cut out of? He's in the director's cut. He's not in the theatrical release. With extra aliens of aliens. Right. James Cameron, when he wrote that scene, basically... When he couldn't get it into Aliens, he took it out and put it to Terminator 2. It's, it's basically yeah. the same idea. It's the same uh... idea of a guy coming to, to bother the captain about something and he says, you know, how do you know about this? And he said, don't ask. You know, it's a, it's a company thing. Don't worry about it. And it's basically that scene again. So if you've seen it in Terminator 2, you've seen it in Aliens. Does that mean Terminator 2 and Aliens share the same universe? Okay, so James Cameron... <laughs> <laughs> I'm reading that in a completely tongue-in-cheek thing. I obviously... I mean, it's interesting that, yes, the guy who plays Captain Hollister is in Aliens. He is playing a space captain. I he guess is. what what Dave is trying to say, I would guess, is, is it the same character? I'll be honest with you, in his defence, he does look exactly the same as Hollister. <laughs> well, to address the question of whether Alien... And Red Dwarf could share a universe. The answer is no, because in the Red Dwarf universe, there are no aliens. QED. In the alien universe, famously, there are aliens. They may not share a universe, but Red Dwarf and the alien series share a um, scanner in the medical room. Oh, yeah. 
They share a table. Oh, that's <laughs> right. The the yeah. taken. A, is it a bed in the? Yes, yeah, um, the bed. It's one of the yeah. thingy pods. It's taken from Prometheus. Yeah, Matt McDonald was in the Empire Strikes Back. Did you know that? He's an uncredited what? rebel pilot, according to IMDb. No, 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 no. He's oh. not. <laughs> um, has some fucker been editing Mark IMDb? He is. He is credited as being in that film. Mac has absolutely no memory of it. <laughs> he doesn't ever remember being in that film. And apparently, he went to a comic con. I think he said this on one of the lockdown commentaries. And he basically said that he was invited to go to a comic con, and he turned up, and he saw pictures of someone who wasn't him <laughs> with him saying Mac McDonald like rebel pilot in Star Wars and I think that he is obviously someone's gone to IMDB and then booked him on the fact oh that my god I think that's what happened and it's like yeah he swears down that he is not in Star Wars I mean it would have been a day's work you know but like but he swears <laughs> down that he isn't in it okay well he might be a German soldier in Top Secret which is one of my favourite films one of my favourite comedy oh, that's, films that's probably true yeah. Yeah. That's probably true. Here's the thing about uh, in the wider topic of shared universes. Cuz fans love this shit, right? You see it on Reddit sometimes or like just proof that this film and this film share the same universe. Is that look at this detail that has been discovered. Um and what it is 100% of the time is a filmmaker making a reference to a filmmaker that they admire or sneaking something in and it's like it's not oh my god these share the same universe what does this possibly mean for the canon it's this director is drawing direct inspiration from this one and is giving him a nod or giving them a nod um, in, in their work and that's it and like you have some instances of like the same like the same games company like uh, Remedy there's a pretty strong indication that all of Remedy's games essentially exist in the same universe. This is like Max Payne, Alan Wake, Quantum Break, Control. All all of these games exist in the same universe because they use all the same kind of um, the same company names. And there's lots of like you can mm. kind of you can get behind that. That's an interesting thing. But like anything other than that, of just like this separate thing and this separate thing share the same universe because this person has the same name or this company has the same name <laughs> well there's in an star trek i don't know which star trek series it is i think that was deep space nine in the background there was a big list of company names and amongst them were diva droid international oh, and cool. um crapola inc among along with like hundreds of other tv and film references yeah. that some member of the art department had done as a joke so that it's a nice little easter egg rather than oh my god yeah Star that, Trek that's true it doesn't even have to be like someone like the director making a reference it could be yeah. someone in the art department matt clark put a reference to g&t in the promised land <laughs> and like there's been labels and stuff in the background of red dwarf oh wasn't there one of the labels on something in Red Dwarf, like possibly on, on one of the Starbuck displays, said LV426, which is the the planet on which Alien was found. Yeah, so it's a detail you'll never see because it's never yeah. shown up in close. It's on Crichton's console desk. On the front, yeah. there's actually a, a button that says LV426, which is the terraforming planet that was uh, where yeah, they found the headquarters were, originally yeah. discovered. So we take it all back there, clearly in the same universe, there's a button. Yeah. The button says so. Um, anyway, sorry, David. It, it feels like we've we've just choke slammed you for half an hour straight. But um... <laughs> Dave is actually a really good. 
friend of mine IRL and he um he WhatsApped me that question the other day. So I said, Oh yeah, we'll talk about it. <laughs> I didn't warn him that we were gonna relentlessly take the piss out of him. But it's fine, it's allowed. <laughs> I'm I'm good enough friends with him. If we're gonna go down that road then back to the future and Red Dwarf end up in the same universe, thanks to Matt Clark is like the sort of the the, the nexus point for every universe <laughs> existing within every other universe. Matt so, Clark is the Omnizone. He is the Omnizone, yeah. <laughs> he brings all the worlds together. I mean, everything, I mean, this is this is the world we're living in now, right? Is that everything references everything. Like Everyone wants to pull everything together somehow. It just makes things more interesting when you can kind of... Like the, the Pixar theory, which I think is probably the most insane and yet strangely compelling theory that ties every single Pixar film together. Well, every every Pixar film references the next one in some way, doesn't well, it? Well, not in terms of referencing, but just like someone has worked out like the chronology of every film oh, in right, a way okay. that makes sense from a world building point of view. So it's not just the fact that there's like you know there's the ball in that episode, and that's a reference to that. It's like literally like you know like there was a there's a progression of monsters, and that monsters, and that's why cars can speak is because it's a futuristic thing, and it's like it's like there's a whole theory about how every saying every single film is connected, and it's like Boo from Monsters Inc is the witch in uh, Brave. And it's all this stuff, and it's really compelling to listen to because it's it's really fascinating how someone's managed to make this thing slightly it's it's fudgy boy cohesive plan. It's not like Marvel, well, it's not MCU, but there's also the Saint Elsewhere theory, uh, which is the the medical which is referenced in Red Dwarf. Uh, the, the series uh, Saint Elsewhere basically ends with a twist revelation. That the entire series was the product of the imagination of a autistic child That's who right. is a is a patient in the hospital or something, and then like everything that happened was in just in his imagination. Yeah. But because Saint Elsewhere crossed over with a another sort of same network TV <laughs> show at the time, then that means that that show is entirely taking place in this kid's brain as well. Yeah. And that show crossed over with X and Y other shows. And so the like it expands out and expands out and expands out that basically the entirety of entertainment is taking place in this one child's imagination. <laughs> and there is actually a roadmap that someone made that actually connects all this stuff together. I'll try and find that and put that in the show notes because that is yeah. worth a look. There's going to be some rabbit holes after the back of this, hopefully. Yeah. people it's funny because like yeah the, the the cross the crossover thing is like it's it's almost it almost exists outside of the work itself so it's it's either a a reference made by an employee on the show that wants to sneak in a reference because that's what people do or it's a an actual proper crossover but that almost feels like that's separate to the work itself because it's almost a marketing stunt that, that that's part of the show that's part of the show's marketing rather than part of the show itself and i think that's maybe that's maybe why like i don't know crossover like everything falls down as soon as you say one show and another show share the same universe even like cheers and fraser don't feel like they comfortably fit in the same universe, do you know what I mean? Like, they're just yeah. not the same characters. No, yeah. not, it's not the same. They, feel. they change some details in order to make the spin-off work. I think we're going to leave it there for this week. <laughs> I think we've veered quite spectacularly into <laughs> nothing. Thank you to everyone who uh, sent in their uh, topics for Waffleman. We're always on the lookout for more tasty morsels, uh, questions to answer, topics to discuss. 
Uh, so if you have any suggestions, then please leave a comment on the article for this Dwarfcast over at www.ganymede.tv, or you can tweet us. Twitter handle is Ganymede Titan. Okay. So this should give you an idea of the kind of person we're working okay. with. Okay. Before you submit your question or topic, please listen back to every single, every uh, single Waffleman thing. we've ever done to make sure that you're not doubling up. Just to be thorough, start back in 2006, listen to the whole lot. and uh... <laughs> Our next commentary will be the one we've all been looking forward to. Uh, as we tackle Time Wave, revisiting that for the first time since it aired, probably, in most people's cases. Point it to bed uh, But before we get to that point, our next podcast will be the next instalment of the Dwarfcast Book Club covering Last Human. So look out for that in all your usual uh, podcasty places. Stay safe. Stay young and beautiful. It's your duty to be beautiful. <laughs> uh, and, as always... Ed bye, everybody. Ed bye. Thank you for listening to GNT Dwarfcast, and we hope sometime in the future you'll decide to listen to our Dwarfcast again. Have a safe onward journey. Goodbye. There's a great big pile of uh, topics that have been suggested by our loyal listeners slash readers in the section that we like to call... Ah... Waffle man. You should just you should just go wah initially, don't you? Ah, you just do a so Waluigi. Waffle man. It's a me, a waffle man. Every now and then, I'll in the edit, I will leave that bit in, and I forget where I've put it, and then every now and then, I'll just get here. Ah. <laughs> oh, you Scared kind of have it floating up. on a different track, yeah. Yes, yeah, floating on a different channel somewhere. Amazing. Floating waffles. <laughs>